0: Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at a table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning. morning. How's it going?
1: Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church, and uh, thanks for joining all those who are on YouTube Live this morning as well. Real, real quick intro. Some of you know me, some of you don't. My name is Russell Davis. Uh, I am, yes, I am Pastor Ray and his wife Nancy's oldest son. Um, I'm also married to Kim Davis, who's over there, uh, who some of you have served with in various uh, ministries here uh, with three kids. Um, we, when my dad first asked me to teach, I was a little taken back. I, see, I'm a um, I'm more behind the scenes type of guy. I, uh, Spent years teaching first through fifth grade here at Desert Breeze, but it was in, when we were in the high school and then more recently volunteering in the coffee bar because I love coffee. I think we all, a lot of us do. Um, and then and then also within the last year, my wife and I uh, have joined the leadership team for the marriage ministry here at Desert Breeze. So I'm really, that being said, I'm really excited to share what God's been showing me in the text this morning, and uh, let's, let's jump right in. So uh, go ahead and grab your notes. The current teaching series we're in is Believe, and we've been, cur- uh, we've been going through the gospel of according to John, and for this week, we're going to be we're wrapping up chapter 11 and going into chapter 12. So let me go ahead and read that top part of that in your notes. In the final weeks of Jesus' life, there were three groups of people that John, was, that John talked about. People that hated Jesus, people that loved Jesus, and people who are just using Jesus. Which makes us ask ourselves, which are we? And if we're not lovers, how do we become lovers? A little bit of recap as we're approaching this, these final weeks. Two weeks ago, we were talking about, in chapter 10, the people were asking Jesus, point blank, are you, the, are you God? Are you the Christ? And he said he was. Chapter 11, at the beginning of chapter 11, he proves he's, he's God yet again, but this time raising a man from the dead. And I'm going to jump, I'm going to go ahead and read this first few verses of our text this morning. Therefore many, verse 45 and 46, therefore many Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus, had, what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So many saw, many believed, but some... It's a little weird. So you kind of get the sense of when you're reading this as this is... that many saw, many believed, but some, they saw, but didn't believe. Not just that. These, they saw a man... Who had been dead for four days, raised from the dead. And their first thought was, Can you do that? We need to cancel this guy. (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. So they went immediately and told the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were, the Pharisees and the chief priests were two groups of people the Sadducees and the Pharisees they were they were at odds with each other they would they would argue all the time they were very antagonistic to each other too, but they were the ruling uh, political elite and or p- cultural political religious elite so it kind of makes you think that it's very not unlike how the democrats and the republicans fight about whatever they can they don't need, they, they seem to just hate each other regardless of what it is and that's how these two groups were they just fought and they they were very very aggressive towards each other However, there was one thing that they agreed on. This guy, Jesus, no good for us. So when they were were fighting, they were going back and forth. They were asking each other, what do we do? For this man performs many signs. So they weren't denying that he was doing these things. But they were saying, if we let him continue on like this, people will believe in this guy And then when that happens, the Romans are coming and they're taking away our place in our nation. They're taking away our temple and our way of life, our religion and what we believe in. See, their fear of Jesus trumped all of of the things they had going on. And they were afraid of losing their power, their place, and control over what was going on. They were not about the truth. Or honoring God, which it should have been. These, these were religious leaders. These were the leaders of the time. These were where everyone went to learn about God. But they were about self-preservation and even though they knew the scriptures and the prophecies, they ignored them. Which brings us to our first point. Haters resist the truth when it does not serve them. <clears throat> For these men knew the truth of Jesus. They saw the signs, but it didn't serve their plans, so they just pushed it aside. They had reasons for it, and it seemed like right to them. They were they were if the Roman the Romans we had to preserve what the power, you know for the people and whatever. But what they were doing, what they were doing was wrong. Proverbs fourteen twelve says there is a way that appears right but in the end leads to death. There was a way that seemed right to these guys, but in the end led to death, led to spiritual death. So this is something for us that we have to pay attention to in our own lives. And and Because I know that for me and a lot of us, or some of us will, sometimes we're more interested in winning the argument than actually discovering what the truth is. I mean, we see it all over the place especially on the internet. If you just spend five minutes, you'll see people arguing and they just double down instead of admitting what the truth is. And same with these guys. They were so interested in being right that they had no interest in what the actual truth was. Read, I'm going to jump in back into the text and read verse 48. If, you, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place in our nation. So not only were they resisting the truth because it didn't serve them, they were, and the next point is, they were fearing people. They feared people. They would fear people more than they feared God. Haters fear people more than they fear God. Haters care more about the thoughts of others and what they think of them than what God has already said about them and how God thinks about them. Proverbs 29, 25, for the fear of man brings a snare but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So this is something for me, this is for when I was going through the text, this is something that really, like, really hit me. Just So, like a lot of you, uh, I work a regular job during the week, and with that, like, and, and while my workplace now has is, is been more relaxed as of late, there, I spent over two decades in a secular workplace. And in that time, I had to really watch the words I said in, in terms of my faith for fear of getting in trouble or saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. So I know it's hard to not let how, you think, how people think of you impact your actions. Proverbs 9.10. This is important. But, and this is what I had to always kind of go to is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When we fear God, when we honor him and we look to him for our self-worth and then when we know him, it impacts the way we act and our judgments and it gives us the foundation for, for what we're doing and it helps us to not be those haters. So, haters... They resist the truth when it doesn't serve them. Haters fear people more than they fear God. And Caiaphas was a great example of that. See, Caiaphas was the high priest at the time. And one of the things that Caiaphas said, when he, after these guys, they were going back and forth, and Caiaphas steps in, being in charge, says, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for one man to die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish jumping down to verse 43 or 53 from that day they made plans to put him to death Caiaphas was very logical but very wrong his reasoning was to he he just he his reasoning was for the people even though it was also to maintain his status in the people Caiaphas rejected the truth about who Jesus was because it didn't didn't fit his vision of what was going on and what was to transpire. Caiaphas also feared the Romans more than God. This man was a man of the scriptures, and he feared Rome more than what God promised them to take care of them. You would think, being in the Bible all the time, he would have known that. And eventually, these men after putting off for the last three years killing Jesus, because they, they, they wanted to, or they wanted to get rid of him, but their fear of the people of an uprising kept them from that. And eventually their fear of Rome was greater. And their still fear of Rome was greater than their fear of God. So they put off killing him until it no longer served him, served them. Now, we're all, we all start out in this world as Haters. We all start out as enemies of God. It's our default mode. When we pursue what we want, regardless of what God says, we are denying the truth because it does not serve us. When we know what is right and we do the opposite, we're hating Jesus, we're calling God a liar. He says, do this, and you'll be, these will be good for you. But instead, we do the opposite because somehow God might be holding out on us. And then also, we fear people more than we fear God. For the, for the mind, Romans 8, 7 through 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When we're pursuing those things, we are displeasing to God and we're acting as though we're a hater. So that's haters. What about lovers? Moving on into John chapter 12, we see Jesus is staying with, with uh, he's come back to Bethany to visit Lazarus and this is six days before the Passover, we're less than a week out on his crucifixion. And he's with his disciples, and he's spending time with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Martha is serving. Lazarus is spending time with him. But I want to point out specifically what Mary is doing. Verse 3, chapter 12, verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Lovers worship. She's worshiping him. Lovers worship without reservation, without holding back. Later on in verse 5, Judas points out the value of, this, of this, uh, this perfume. It was 300 denarii, which is about a year's wages. So think about that. She's taking out of her savings. She's taking out of that her, her financial security to give to Jesus without reservation, without holding back. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for it is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good will. Pleasing and perfect will. So, if you've attended Desert Breeze long enough, you have heard this many times. We're all worshipers. We all worship something. We worship with, and we worship that which we value the most. And we worship with our time, our talent, our treasures. Sometimes we worship our time, our talent, our treasures. A while, uh, I've said in the past that I value my time with God. But when I was look, but when that was, I had to really look at my time and it revealed what I actually worshiped. I had free time. Sometimes didn't find a way, time to study, to study God's word or even just pray. But I had no problem with the endless scroll on social media for me. It's really, you just keep going and they just show you pictures of a bunch of people you hardly know. You pretend to know who they are. But so for me, I had a choice. Do I value my time with God or am I a liar? Because I said I did, but my time didn't show that I did. So, So my choice for me was to get rid of it. So I made the conscious choice to Remove it from my life. And for me, my walk with God has never been richer. And, and I know that I'm a, a more positive person for it. So everybody has something. And so my question to you would be, what is that thing that is holding you back? Not necessarily social media. It's great. Some people have no problem with it. It's something, though. There is something that's keeping you back, that's keeping you, from worshiping without reservation. Everybody has something. Another thing is, uh, so worship, so lovers worship without reservation, and then they also worship in a way that is a blessing to others. We, lovers worship in a way that is a blessing to others. The end of verse three, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. We worship, a way of worshiping is being, it's a blessing to others. Share with others what God is doing in your life. Believe, non-believers and believers, everyone. Do you know anybody, if you really think about it, do you know anybody who, when you spend time with them, their worship for Christ is so great that it can't not impact you? I do. My wife and I have been fortunate to be in a small group with a member here whose love for Christ so stirs us. It's so infectious. It just blows us away. A few years ago, they were diagnosed with a... with an inoperable brain tumor. However, through the pain and the frustration that comes with those things, I've seen their love for Christ grow in a way that I can hardly imagine. And I can't help feel invigorated when I'm with them. When my wife and I have the opportunity to spend time with him and his wife, we always come away loving Jesus more. And that's how we should all live. Our love and worship for Christ should invigorate others. We should be worshiping in a way that is a blessing to others. So back into the text. <clears throat> After Judas expresses his suspect opinion about what they should, they should sell the ointment and give it to the poor, Jesus responds, leave her alone so you may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So is Jesus saying that he doesn't care about the poor or that we shouldn't care about the poor? No. But he was calling us is to be worshipers first and and servers second. That we worship him and then serve after. And that brings us to the next point, which is lovers worship first and serve second. Feeding the poor, caring for widows and orphans, serving others are all great things that we're called to do, but they shouldn't, but they should be coming out of abundance, not obligation. When we serve out of abundance instead of obligation, we understand that we are not trying to gain favor with God. We give because we already have it. And that worship, and and we worship and thank Him every day for it. I have a quote that I want to share with you from uh, A.W. Tozer. It's an American pastor. And he said, We are here to be worshipers first and workers only second. We take a convert and immediately make a worker out of him. God never meant this to be so. God meant that a convert should learn to be a worshiper and after to learn to be a worker. Work done by a worshiper will have eternity in it. Let me read that last last line again. It was... The work done by a worshiper will have eternity in it. When we're working, when we're serving first and worshiping second, we're working for here. But when we worship, then work, then serve, it's for his glory. So, what happens? So, what happens when you mix the two up? When you serve first and worship second? couple things a lot of times you get burnout because you 're not doing it for the right reasons and you're tired, you get tired a bit and but the big one is and, and because what causes that is we tend to miss worship altogether. we got stuck in serving and we forget to worship, which brings us to the next point in the next group, which is users users give to get a user is a moralist, and while there's nothing wrong with living a good life and being a good person. But if you're serving out of obligation instead of abundance, you become entitled and and or you become bitter when you don't get what you're entitled to. The reason for our giving matters. Giving out of abundance matters. Giving for the glory of God matters. Matthew five fourteen through 16. Let your light, let the light of you. I'm sorry, I'm going to start over on that one. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine for others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So yes, good works are good, but for why? The reason matters. We've been called to give in a way that is worship, giving glory to God, not to earn favor with him. Users give to get. Users also treat Jesus as a means to an end. Verse 6, Judas. So after expressing his suspect opinion about selling and giving to the poor, Judas said said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas was not interested in the poor at all. He was not. And there are a lot of good ministries out there. But sometimes you kind of wonder, When you see, you kind of wonder about their intentions when you see them buying private jets or these huge, lavish uh, salaries for their executives. And so what it kind of, what it makes me think of is, or when, when users treat Jesus as a means to an end, the prosperity theology really pushes this home. The belief that faith, just faith, whatever faith, and positive speech, and don't forget donations to religious causes, will increase one's material wealth. Giving to get. These people are giving to Jesus, so Jesus will give them their God. These, and a lot of times these, these people claim to be lovers but they're actually just using Christ. They're actually just using the system. Another thing users do is they come to see the show. Verse 9 and 11, when the, crowds came, uh, when the large crowds of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. That kind of stinks. Dies once, and then now they're trying to kill him. Dies from being sick, and now he might die from getting murdered. Because on account of him, many Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So I love our church. I, I, God has blessed us with an awesome building. We have great uh, ministries here. Uh, The music is awesome. Kellen and their team did a great job. And I also love coffee. And the coffee is, I mean, I'm a little biased, but it's delicious. Amenities, that's what these are, or some of them. Amenities are great. When it comes to hotels, spas, resorts, amenities are where it's at. I mean, why go otherwise? That is not the reason to attend church. Because then you're just a user. But good news, verse eleven: because on account of him, Lazarus, many Jews were going away believing in Jesus. So, in the, so we're looking at aren't bad. So good things, gifts aren't bad, if this is a big if, only if they point to Jesus. That's the only way they work. So we've heard these three groups of people. So how do we go from being haters or users to lovers? First thing is to focus on God's presence, not God's presence. It's important to not mix those up. It's not about getting what we're getting, about but who we get to be with. When you're falling in love with someone, you're just wanting to spend time with them. Not about getting gifts. When we go to God for gifts and not to spend time with him, when we're focused on the things he gives us and not being able to spend time with him, we're essentially spiritual gold diggers. and we're not interested in spending time with him. A verse that I really like um, in my own life when I'm, when I'm do- trying to dwell and in in focusing on dwelling in the presence of God uh, is, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We're going to him. We're spending time with him. If we want to fall in love with him, we spend time. We don't focus on what we're getting. Another verse that I really like when it comes to this is, is Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus was saying, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and we'll f- you will we'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we need to focus on his presence, on being with him, not the things we get. The next one is to remember the truth about what God has done. Recently, my wife and I had the opportunity to share our testimony with the Love Your Marriage class. And as we're preparing for this, um, there were, there, there's something about remembering how you first fell in love with your spouse that, that just really stirs up, and it's good. Remembering. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And it almost, it was like reliving those emotions again, and it was good. And even more so, so as we're preparing for this, we're, re- we're getting this, rem- this memory, and then also going through this, remembering what God has done in our lives and our marriage, and remembering and dwelling in that. When you're feeling like you're just beaten down and separated from God, it's important to remember the truth of what Christ has done. Psalm 43, 5. Why downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So what's the truth? So I say remember the truth about what Christ has done. What What does that mean? It's kind of an ambiguous, I mean, for the most part you understand it, but it's Like, what does that mean? What does it really mean? It's remembering that he lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, in order to make us in right standing with a holy and righteous God, not anything we've done. And this is a free gift for us to accept or reject. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 23. And then a great one, John 3, 16 through 18. For God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So he, he came for us. That is what we're doing. He saved us. And out of that, we worship. And we worship always. And the next point is we worship always and share often. Worship always share often. Worship is not only about singing on Sunday morning. It's also about enjoying the presence of God and remembering what he has already done for us and then sharing it with others. Again, when, when my wife and I had the opportunity to share our testimony, preparing it and remembering it was good. And, it, and it, was, it stirred up those emotions. And then also being able to share it with others, just, it stirred it up even more. There's something about when you share with others what God is doing and has done and is doing in your life that reignites that love and worship of him. i want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. All enjoyment... Spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings of it. Readers praising their favorite author. Hikers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. We delight to praise in what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes it. It is not out of Out of need or vain desire, that lovers keep telling each other how beautiful they are. But the delight is incomplete until it is expressed. See, sharing your joy, sharing what Christ is doing completes the joy, completes the worship. God calls us not to worship Him because He's some vain being in need of worship from a bunch of goofy humans. He does it because he knows that when we do, we will find the most joy and satisfaction in life. So if you've lost that affection for Christ, or maybe you've never had it, it's most likely you've lost sight of who the hero of the story is. See, the world tells us one thing. So there's a, (laughs) I have some quotes from, from popular thinkers, podcasters and what. And they say stuff like, be the hero of your own movie. It's Joe Rogan. Live life on your own terms. Gary Vanderchuk. You are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. <laughs> Elsa, Frozen 2. We're, these are things that we're, t- we're letting our kids ingest, too. This is everywhere. It permeates society. Because despite what you've been told, you are not the hero of your own movie. Christ is the hero. And I plead with you, don't mix those up. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. To be a lover of Jesus, you spend time with him, remember the truth about what he has done, and you worship him, you worship him for it, and then you share it with others. Maybe some of you have never taken that step to becoming a lover of Jesus. And maybe you're interested in doing today. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's easy. It's two things. For in believing with your heart, you are made right with God. Confessing with your mouth, you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, I am a sinner. Jesus, save me. There'll be elders after the service to pray if you need prayer or uh, if you want to make that confession of faith, we would love to pray with you. Um, Before we end, I want to give a prayer. Pray for us. God, help us to be lovers of you. We are all sinners in need of you. Help us remember you are the hero and you love us. Help us to worship you always and share with others your love.
0: And be with us. Amen.